Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9 o'clock a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It is, God, what, the uh, 8th of November, 2023, and this is episode, well, it's episode 820 of Bitcoin, and Circle P is open for business again today. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. If you want to go stay at a cabin in Brazil, man, you got to go visit my friend DeFi Yogi. His in-pub will be in the show notes as usual. Uh, his little, you know, business is called Cabanas Namata. And the in-pub for that Noster account will also be in the show notes. Um, these are these are really cool cabins. And they're priced pretty, you know, pretty reasonably. One of them is like 145 bucks a night. That's not bad. I mean... It's really not, considering that you get a whole house, it sleeps four, it looks like a hobbit house. I mean, like from the Lord of the Rings, it's it looks really, really cool. Um, he's got three other cabins as well. Um, 145 bucks a night, when you think about it. If I were to go to a hotel that had two queen-size beds in it, here in these little podunk towns, I would be paying... $145 a night. I get a bathroom. I get two queen beds and that's it. I, I don't get being in Brazil. I, I don't get being outside. I mean, if I want to go outside, where am I at? I'm in a parking lot. I come on, come on. So if you want to take your family because this particular bungalow sleeps five, um, you, it's a good, it's good for a family. And if you, for whatever reason, want to go down to Brazil and want to go, you know, Airbnb yourself around, check out the show notes, check out DeFi Yogi, throw them DM, do all the things, rent the cabana, and you will probably have the best time of your life. Now, on to the news. Let's do this one. Supplier of over 40,000 merchants in El Salvador now accept Bitcoin. Yes, they do. They absolutely accept Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin Magazine is written by Nick Hoffman. Bitcoin Wallet, an API Blink platform, formerly known as the Bitcoin Beach Wallet, has announced a new partnership with Distributora Morazan, the second largest distributor of consumer goods in El Salvador, according to a press release sent to Bitcoin Magazine. This collaboration between Blink and Distributora Morazan has paved the way for a pilot program that allows the distributor to accept Bitcoin. This is a distributor, guys, and the distributor is going to accept Bitcoin from a select segment of its extensive customer base, which includes over 40 
thousand merchants. Furthermore, Morazan is actively encouraging and supporting these merchants in integrating Bitcoin as a payment option in their retail locations. This move by Morazan is a strategic endeavor to promote and foster business-to-business Bitcoin adoption in El Salvador. God, this is good to hear. Quote, Our distribution operation until today has been predominantly managed in cash, and this presents a series of logistical, time, and operational difficulties that slow our day-to-day ability to visit more points of sale. Bitcoin solves that, said Morazan CEO Rodrigo Yacir Garcia Prieto. The vast majority of our customers do not have access to banking services, and this is the perfect way to introduce them to their first financial tool. We want to take full advantage of what Bitcoin can do for us and our customers by enabling cash management efficiency, reducing operational expenditures, and increasing our ability to expand our reach within Central America while using a secure payment method such as Blink. End quote. The pilot program has already been rolled out to 30 of the target 80 Phase 1 merchants with plans to onboard up to 3% of Morazan's customers equivalent to 1,000 merchants in 2024. Quote, Our collaboration with Morazan isn't just about a feature or a program. It's about catalyzing a nation shift to embrace Bitcoin from the ground up, said Noor El Bawab, CEO of Blink. This partnership, along with Blink's new buy and sell Bitcoin feature, marks a substantial step forward in normalizing Bitcoin transactions in everyday life in El Salvador. These initiatives exemplify a concerted effort to harness Bitcoin's potential for efficient business operations and inclusive economic growth among communities and small businesses. All right, so it's another step forward for El Salvador. But just to reiterate what's going on here is that I could go to a single merchant and say, hey, I want to buy your goods and services. Would you please accept Bitcoin? And I can fight and, you know, gnash my teeth and do all the things and try to get this one single merchant to be able to accept Bitcoin. But this is a distributor. Now, I'm not exactly sure what they distribute. In fact, hold on for a second. Let me let me just see something for a second and a half and see what kind of goods that they have. And it's all going to be in Spanish. And uh, let's see here. Let me see if I can get to it and get some kind of sense of what it is they are distributing. Oh, champagne, promotional items, beer. Um, oh, no. Okay, this is this is all basically food and goods. So anything from disinfecting stuff like bleach to like cough drops to, you know, bags of chips, uh, beer, wine, the whole ball of wax, right? So they're, you know, basically this is all the stuff you're going to find in a grocery store. The distributor themselves has taken it upon themselves to become Bitcoin educators to their very same merchants. So now... You have not only do customers come in and say, I'd like to pay in Bitcoin. You have the distributor that is giving the merchants these goods to sell for them. You know, so well, actually, their stores are buying it from the distributor, but you, you get what I'm saying. Now the distributor is on the other side of that transaction, also in the ear of the merchant. 
This is really important. And the reason it's important is that now you have the makings of the circular economy. Because now the, the, the customer wants to pay in Bitcoin. The distributor wants to become paid in Bitcoin, which means the merchant can now take the Bitcoin directly from the customer and send it without converting it to cash to the distributor to buy more goods to put in their store to sell back to their customers. This should not go unnoticed. And thank God it's happening again in El Salvador. I cannot iterate enough times how important it really is to make sure that you understand that El Salvador and the rest of Central America and then the countries in Africa are at this point more important to the future of the world when it comes to a sound financial footing for humanity than the West. We've lost the plot, guys. We have completely lost the plot. Now, somebody else who's losing the plot because no matter what they say, the UAE is a Western country. They are Westernized. They've been Western for decades. Don't let anybody tell you different. How do I know? Because the United Arab Emirates Central Bank is going to penalize unlicensed virtual asset service providers. Yes, because why? Probably the fat have told them to. The Central Bank of the United Arab Emirates, along with other regulators in the country, has recently published new joint guidance for virtual asset service providers operating within the country. The new guidelines include penalties for VASPs operating without proper licensure within the jurisdiction. They want their cut. On November the 6th, the National Anti-Money Laundering and Combating Financing of Terrorism and Financing of Illegal Organizations Committing, the NAML CFTC, and the CBUAE, the Central Bank, they published a list that they described as red flags for VASPs. The list included a lack of regulatory license, unrealistic promises, poor communications, lack of regulatory disclosures, and more indicators that could identify suspicious parties. According to the new guidance, the supervisory authorities expect all licensed financial institutions, designated non-financial businesses and professions, and licensed VASPs to report transactions from suspicious parties. The guidance wrote, quote, any information related to unlicensed virtual asset activities can be reported through whistleblowing mechanisms to help regulatory authorities in their efforts to uphold the law and protect the UAE financial system, end quote. In the new document, the central bank also noted that VASPs operating in the UAE without a valid license will be subjected to civil and criminal penalties, including but not limited to financial sanctions against the entity, owners, and senior management. Oh God, they're even going to, they're going to nail the managers. In addition, the document also highlighted that LFIs, DNFBPs, and licensed VASPs that demonstrate a willingness to deal with unlicensed VASPs will also be subject to actions from law enforcement. In a press release, Quote, His Excellency Khalid Mohammed Balama, governor of the Central Bank and chairman of the NAMLCFTC, said that the new guidance comes at a time when digital assets have become more accessible. The Central Bank executive explained that as the digital economy matures, their work on combating all kinds of financial crimes intensifies. This ensures the integrity of the financial system in the UAE, according to Balama. 
Commenting on the update, UAE lawyer Irina Haver told Cointelegraph that the new guidance is part of a broader effort from the UAE to be removed from the Financial Action Task Force gray list. They're kissing ass. That's what's going on here. This list includes that a country has deficiency in its anti-money laundering and counter-terrorist financing regimes, but has committed to resolving these issues with agreed timeframes. In March of 2022, the UAE was placed on the FATF's gray list and subjected to increasing monitoring due to deficiencies in AML and CTF. However, the country made a high-level commitment to work with the global watchdog to strengthen its AML and CFTC regime. According to Haver, the UAE has enacted significant reform since its placement on the gray list in 2022, with new updates to its AML and CTF regulatory frameworks. The country may exit the gray list soon. Quote, the next FATF review, expected in April or May of 2024, could lead to the UAE's exit from the gray list if it continues to demonstrate consistent ass-kissing. I mean, compliance, she added. Oh, this is just... Okay, so the FATF is completely unelected by any governmental organization at all. They're just self-appointed. You didn't vote for him. I didn't vote for him. It doesn't matter what country you might be a member of that you're listening to this show. Your people that you put in place to quote-unquote govern you literally has no say about what the hell's going on in the FATF. Yet the FATF somehow can tell you, through the people that you elected, how you're going to act in your financial behavior how your company is going to act in your in your company's financial behavior. This is all bullshit. And it's time to stand up against these people, but I don't know how. I literally don't know how. So just understand that no matter what the Middle East countries act like or tell you or say that they are, they are the West. They say they're not. They say they're not, but that's bullshit. Not just because of the UAE. All of them, all of them are so entrenched into the Western banking system and the legacy financial system that even those countries with sanctions upon them like Iran might as well just be the West. They have no guts to stand up against people like FATF. They're under complete control. And it's, it's sad. Honestly, it's just sad. But there are other things like Elon Musk, who says that none of my companies will issue crypto tokens. According to Bitcoin Magazine's Reed McDonald, that it appears X, Tesla, SpaceX, Neuralink, and XAI will not be issuing their own cryptocurrencies, at least anytime soon. Announced on Twitter late last week, Elon Musk has declared that none of his companies will be launching a cryptocurrency token in a move that underscores a shift in the tech industry's attitude towards competing with Bitcoin as a digital currency. This announcement is particularly noteworthy uh, in light of Twitter, which recently announced its intention to transform into a platform for financial services. Previously, there had been speculation that Musk might integrate Dogecoin a cryptocurrency he has vocally supported in the past into his company's operations. 
Under the leadership of Jack Dorsey, however, Twitter was known for its pro-Bitcoin stance, actively incorporating new features like Bitcoin tipping, a feature that has attracted him to the upstart social network Noster. However, Elon Musk has seemed to walk back that support, creating questions about his own intentions. Musk's decision not to launch a crypto token carries significance, as it suggests that the concept of issuing worthless cryptocurrencies is losing favor among prominent Silicon Valley tech leaders. This shift in sentiment could be attributed to the increasing regulatory scrutiny and uncertainty surrounding cryptocurrency industry and or simply the failures over the last decade for any crypto token to differentiate itself from Bitcoin. With Musk's reputation as a tech visionary and influencer, his statement may influence other tech leaders and entrepreneurs to put the idea to rest as well. All right. Why on earth would it be that Elon Musk isn't going to integrate, so he says, some kind of cryptocurrency token, either, you know, spun up with his own hand or just using Dogecoin? It's because he wants uh, Twitter, because I'm just not going to call it X, he wants Twitter to be the everything app when it comes to your banking. He wants everything. He doesn't want to just be a payment platform, guys. He wants your banking business, and once he gets it, you ain't ever going to be able to get out of it. Do not let Musk have anything to do with your money. But because he wants that, because that's where he's put, he doesn't care about the social networking aspects or the social graph aspects of Twitter beyond the data provided by the connection points in those social graphs. But as far as microblogging, he doesn't give a shit. He does not care. Twitter is burning to the ground as, and will just simply become a financial technology application. That's what he wants, which means that he has to please who? FATF, the IMF, the World Bank, the Federal Reserve, the Central Bank of Europe, you name it. We can just go on down the list, but you see where I'm going. And if he doesn't comply with the wishes of these people who basically he's grifting from for the last 20 years, he's not going to be able to turn Twitter into the fun thing that it used to be into the blazing hellhole of depravity that he wants it to become. And that's why. It's not because altcoins are losing traction against Bitcoin. That's always been the case. That is nothing new. We always knew that was going to happen. Maximalists have been talking about it for years. No, no, no. He wants to make fat of happy so that he can do whatever it is that he wants to do. Yeah. Uh, He wants all the data he can get. Kid Warp. Yeah, absolutely. That's what he wants. (laughs) He, He doesn't, he does not care that you get on Twitter and say good morning to everybody. He does not care that CNN is putting up pictures of, I don't know, Israelis killing babies or Fox putting up pictures of Hamas killing babies. I don't know. Whatever whatever that bullshit that's going on over there right now, Musk doesn't care about any of it. He just doesn't. You know what was really nice about Twitter is that when there was a natural disaster happening, whether it was a flood or a full-blown hurricane, you could go to Twitter and you could hashtag that thing and you could find out relevant, good information that could help you if you happen to be close to these things. Now, that's gone. 
that's gone. It's like I've been, I've I've looked, I've talked to a couple of people, and they're like going, "Yeah, it's like if there's a forest fire, you you know, you're you're kind of shit out of luck in in being able to use Twitter to scrape that information. Why? Because Elon does not care. He wants to be the world's banking application, and that's all he wants. So he's going to do. And he's going to act just like the UAE does. He's going to get on his knees and he's going to kiss as much ass as he needs to kiss to be able to get what he wants. And that means the exclusion of cryptocurrencies as far as his tech is concerned. Now, moving on, but we're not moving far. Expect, expect, expect new internal revenue service crypto surveillance to come with a surge in confiscation. Nicholas Anthony, Cointelegraph, as the IRS pushes forward with its proposal to increase cryptocurrency surveillance, a past report might offer a clue for how this information may be used in practice. In short, the IRS set to keep tabs on Americans' cryptocurrency usage through an expected 8 billion new returns. It seems the Department of Justice may soon have the tools that it wants to start confiscating cryptocurrency at an unprecedented rate. The issue stems from a 2022 report written by the DOJ in response to Executive Order 14067. For those who might not remember, Executive Order 14067 was President Biden's first major cryptocurrency initiative. Although many people initially feared an impending crackdown was coming, the executive order largely delayed making sweeping changes by first calling on agencies to issue reports to inform future policies around cryptocurrency and related issues. The report, written by the DOJ, covered a vast range of topics, largely falling into four categories. The recommendations spanned ways to aid prosecutions, ways to improve investigations, ways to expand penalties for cryptocurrency-related crimes, and ways to increase resources available for government employees. What's most interesting for the present conversation, however, is where the DOJ argued for increasing its ability to seize cryptocurrency. For example, the report states that, quote, it is critical that the United States have the authority to forfeit the proceeds of cryptocurrency fraud and manipulation as a means of deterring such activity and divesting violators of their ill-gotten gains. Therefore, the DOJ recommends expanding its authority over criminal, civil, and administrative forfeiture. The DOJ has claimed these updates are necessary because the department's experience with cryptocurrency-related cases has, quote, revealed limits on the forfeiture tools used to deprive wrongdoers of ill-gotten gains and, in certain cases, restored funds to the victims. In quote. Fucking the wrongdoers, evildoers. It's like reading a comic book with these guys, I swear to God. Yet, the argument is difficult to understand considering how much and how often the government has actually been able to seize cryptocurrency over the years. In fact, the report itself mentions such cases. <clears throat> Between 2014 and 2022, the FBI seized around $427 million worth of cryptocurrency. And then the IRS seized another $3.8 billion, that's billion with a B, dollars worth of cryptocurrency between 2018 and 2021. With more than $4 billion on hand, 
The DOJ's argument that the U.S. government is struggling to seize cryptocurrency is just not as apparent as the report's recommendations make it out to be. Still, the IRS's broker proposal puts the DOJ's report into a new light, given the vast surveillance that the proposal would likely create, vast surveillance that could be used to start confiscating cryptocurrency at an even greater rate. The problem is what's referred to as administrative forfeiture. As Nick Sibelia explained in Forbes when the report first came out, quote, under administrative or non-judicial forfeiture, the seizing agency, not a judge, but the seizing agency decides whether a property should be forfeited. In other words, agencies do not need to prove to a judge that a crime was committed in order to seize the property. The DOJ commended this process for promoting an efficient allocation of government resources while discouraging undue burdens on the federal judicial system. In fact, this process seems to be the DOJ's preferred practice, given that administrative forfeitures made up 78% of all of its forfeitures between 2000 and 2019. Holy smokes, man. Man. With the IRS collecting vast amounts of new information on Americans' cryptocurrency usage, it's possible that the DOJ may, quote, suddenly find vast new arenas for cryptocurrency confiscation. And again, it's important to stress that these confiscations don't have to start with an actual crime being committed, just the mere suspicion. Given how often misunderstandings surround cryptocurrencies have fueled Fueled headlines, it's not difficult to imagine how such suspensions could emerge. For example, it was less than a month ago that more than 100 members of Congress cited a flawed report to call for a crackdown on cryptocurrency. Considering the IRS proposal in this light helps to showcase one of the major risks of mass data collection. Whether it's the DOJ seeking to expand its confiscation activities, the IRS looking to increase audits, or a hacker seeking out an exploit, massive government database create tempting targets for both internal and external abuse. If the IRS pushes forward with its proposal, cryptocurrency users should keep a careful eye on how that data is ultimately used by the government at large. Okay, these people are dangerous people. Just because you don't like them doesn't mean that they're not dangerous and can't do you substantial amounts of harm. So what's the, how do you work this? The best way to work this at this point is that forget about the fact that you've, you know, purchased Bitcoin uh, through AML, KYC uh, exchanges and and services like uh, Cash App. Okay, just forget it. It's already done. worrying about what's happened in the past is not going to do you any good today. What do you do after that? Don't keep it there. That's the most important point. The longer you keep your Bitcoin on a custodial exchange like Cash App or Kraken or Coinbase, the more and more likely it is that the DOJ could suddenly come up with a suspicion that you might be an evildoer, you know, like Lex Luthor or something like that, right? And then they'll all they have to do is confiscate it. They don't need a warrant. 
anymore, apparently. They don't need to go in front of a judge and prove their case that you are, in fact, an evildoer like bin Laden. No, they just have to say, you know what? All of a sudden, I think David needs to be under suspicion and he's got this Coinbase account. Oops, oh, look, it got confiscated. This is why Bitcoiners, especially maximalists, are always saying what? Not your keys, not your coin. Get your shit off of exchanges and do it today. Now, a little bit about this $8 billion crypto information returns from that the IR, that was mentioned in the story about the IRS. Let's let's take a uh, just a couple of secs to check out this from www.taxnotes.com. IRS prepping for at least eight billion crypto information returns. How are they getting eight billion returns? I this is written by Jonathan Curry, but I I don't know if Jonathan knows what he's talking about. Or if I don't know what I'm talking about, because I don't know how the Internal Revenue Service of the United States can get 8 billion pieces of crypto information from roughly 325 million citizens or however many we've got in the United States. I'm very confused about this, but let's just check this out for a second. The IRS expects to be flooded with an unprecedented volume of information returns once the digital asset transaction reporting rules take effect. Quote, our estimate right now is that we will ingest 8 billion, with a B, information returns. And that's just the in-development form 1099-DA, Julie Foster, IRS Director of Digital Assets, said during the meeting of the Council for Electronic Revenue Communication Advancement of October the 25th. That avalanche of information returns threatens to overwhelm the agency. Quote, Our technology, the way it is today, will not support the data and the volume. That's where the Inflation Reduction Act funding comes in, which is giving the IRS the wherewithal to update the underlying technology so it can be ready when the information reporting rules go live. The IRS released long-anticipated proposed regulations in August that cover information reporting by digital asset brokers. Under the proposed regulations, the broker reporting requirement wouldn't go into effect until, and here it is, this is the date you need to look at, January the 1st, 2026. So a little over two years from now. And that will give brokers time enough to comply. The IRS and Treasury estimates that between 13 million and 16 million taxpayers will account for the deluge of the new forms 1099-DA. <clears throat> the IRS has already received over 13,000 comments on the proposed regulations, according to Foster. The public hearing may take place over two days if enough speakers sign up. The IRS plans to soon release release a draft form 1099-DA to be used by brokers to report transactions after the form's instructions are completed, according to Forrester. They are finalizing whether every transaction from a Form 1099-DA will be listed on a taxpayer's wage and income transcript or if it will just list aggregate transactions, Foster said. Still, with the IRA funding at its disposal, 
the IRS hopes to have something that works incredibly well and is easy to read and follow. That's all you need to know about this. They're gearing up, okay? They're gearing up. We've got a real tight window to act, and that means to find our non-KYC AML brokers to figure out ways to just completely ditch ourselves from this particular system like Coinbase and Kraken. And we, and we have two years to get a good solid circular economy working is what I'm saying. The, these people are evil. That, and, and everybody that works for all these governments are turned into minions, whether they were good people to begin with or bad. And they need a job. I'm, I don't want, you know, these just a lowly government IRS worker to come under my ire. I'm sure that person is a good person. I'm sure that they have lovely children and that they just want to live a life. But they are constrained by their job description to act in ways that are heinous, immoral, illicit, and unethical. And what what that does to that person's soul, I don't know. Maybe for most of them, they don't even notice. But we don't have time for any of that right now. It's time to run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities has oil down again today. Why? Well, apparently numbers came in yesterday and there's a lot of inventory. The United States has been building crude oil inventories over the last two months, which means that we're not burning it as fast as we were burning it, which is a leading indicator that the economy is not really doing that well. You need energy to manufacture. You need energy to ship. You need energy to do all the things. And we're not using the energy. And because we're not using the energy, two things happen. The price of energy falls and it's indicating to us that the United States economy is basically part of a bag of kittens that they're about to throw over the bridge into the river because they don't want the kittens anymore. West Texas Intermediate down almost two and a half points again today, down to $75.48. Brent North Sea down 2.35% to 79.69. So Brent North Sea crashing under 80. And this is not going to make the Saudi Arabian people very happy. They're, I d- expect production cuts again out of the Saudi countries. Natural gas is down almost two points to $3.08 a thousand. Gasoline is down one and a half to $2.13 a gallon. Good luck finding that at the pump. Gold is down three quarters of a point to nineteen fifty nine and 50 cents. Silver is up almost a point, but platinum is down two and a half. Copper is down 1.17 and palladium is down a quarter of a point. Uh, ag is mostly in the green today. Biggest winner today is going to be what? Uh, wheat, 2.94% to the upside. Uh, biggest loser is going to be cotton, 1.71% to the downside. And I read something interesting today about cotton that we're not using as much of it as we normally do. And that means that fabric production is down because people aren't buying clothes. Why? Because the economy sucks. That's why. Just so you know, in case you were wondering about that, live cattle up 
two-thirds of a point. Lean hogs are down 1.68%. Feeder cattle are up almost a point. The Dow is down a third, as is the S&P, as is the NASDAQ. The S&P Mini, however, is down even more. (laughs) It's down well over half a point. Bonds, uh, okay, some are in the green, most are in the red. Your 30-year Treasury bond is yielding 4.66%, the 20-year 4.85, and the 10-year 4.53, and those are after some, you know, decent drops in the yield on those bonds. Now, the DXY is doing what? Uh, It's basically moving sideways, 105.55% is the dollar index for you today. Price of Bitcoin is 35,333 and 63 cents. Uh, we got uh, 0.49 BTC is the average transaction value. Median transaction values are up to 120 bucks, but the mempools, I assure you, are still packed and stacked, so they're still draining the ordinal craze from Binance listing uh, out of the mempools around the country. Uh, block times, however, are very low. This is good. Nine minutes and 21 seconds. That's going to help hoover up some of the bullshit. We've got 0.77 BTC taking the fees on a per block basis. And holy shit, 120 BTC taken overall in fees in the last 24 hours. That is more than double what happened yesterday. With a 5.61% increase in hash rate, we are at 436 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is Dogecoin, 7.5 United States pennies. That'll tell you what the rest of the crew is doing around the uh, shitcoin world. $688.9 billion of market capitalization is five and a quarter percent of gold's market cap. You can get 18.2 ounces of your favorite metal rock for one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,536,586.78 of, and 5,304.5 of them sons of bitches are in the Lightning Network, now valued at $187 million on the dot. 14,564 nodes, 62,765 payment channels that we can see, and 82.1% of all that shit's being run over Tor. Mempools, as promised, are packed and stacked. We're up to about 222, somewhere around there, blocks carrying 165,000 transactions waiting to clear at high priority values of 92 Satoshis per V-byte. Low priorities are going for 79. And anything under five is being purged for mempools around the world. Hash rate for mempool.space is listing at 591. Exit, no, no, I made I made a mistake. Read the wrong number. 496.7 exahashes per second. So do with that what you will. Happy birthday, Noster. Episode 819 of the Bitcoin and Podcast. Brought to you today... Buy pies with 10,000 Satoshis. Thanks, brother. This is for brightening my day and putting a smile on my face for mocking the idiocy of this world of shitcoins. I'm going through a divorce. Oh, man, dude. And a bit of hardship in your show has been a blessing through all this. Thank you, sir. Well, pies, dude, I'm sorry, man. Fucking hate hearing about that shit. I don't like seeing anything break apart. And my my heart goes out to you, pies. Letter 6173 with a striper boost. God, family, health, Bitcoin, all things worth focusing on indeed. O2ZX with 2500 says, good to hear you did another zap stream. I was reading about Stratum V2 and how that F2 pool in Paxos incident played out 
my question, why have we not implemented it yet? I don't know. I The only thing that I can figure is that this is something that's so important to them and and that they realize that what they are suggesting could radically change the way mining actually works, not at a protocol level, just at an infrastructure level. So no, no changes there, but it's so, it's so important that they have to get it right so that they're testing, testing, testing. I don't know that for a fact, but that's the only plausible answer I have as to why this shit is not implemented yet. God's death 370. Thank you, sir. No, thank you. Pies with a hundred. Thank you, sir. No, thank you, Pies. And I really hope that you get through all this with all of your shit intact. That's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. I'm here to remind you that I need your help in getting word about this show out. And you know what really works? five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. I've got quite a few of them so far. I love racking up five-star uh, five-star reviews on that uh, po- Apple Podcast because it helps the algorithm that they use do discovery. And that's the largest problem that this podcast has with its listenership. It's discovery. Without discovery, well, you can't be discovered, Right. So that's why I depend upon you, my dear listeners, to help me get the word out. Because as I said yesterday, I suck at marketing. I do. I can't help it. I mean, I could read a book, I guess, but there's something about marketing. When I read the marketing you know, stuff that I've gotten a hold of or, or books that I'm reading excerpts of uh, to see if I want to actually you know, buy the thing and read it, you know what I end up with is... Do a contest. I'm, you know, sell merch. Uh, okay. Um, you know, uh, do all these other things. And I'm like, somehow or another to me, that's not marketing. That just seems like cheap parlor tricks. I don't like cheap parlor tricks. What I do like is when you guys, like you did yesterday, go out on Noster and I don't know where else y'all might've done this. Uh, putting out the word of the show into the streets so that the masses could have a chance to be able to discover it. You're my discovery tool. It's not a contest. It's not straight up bribery. It's not fucking merch, right? Okay, I can't. I just, I don't feel clean when I do that. I don't mind asking you for help. That actually feels clean. But I don't know, man, offering... I don't know, like if buying a an iPhone and saying the first people, 10 people that, you know, do X, has, you know, gets entered into a raffle for the iPhone. Dude, nothing in the world would make me feel more dirty than to pull that shit. To me, that's not marketing. If any of you people out there know how to market, get in touch with me. I I need a mentor on it so that I can become good at it without selling my soul to the devil, okay? Now, speaking of the devil, the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, stakes out regulatory role over AI. Warning, 
it may turbocharge scams. And this is from Decrypt.co, written by Jason Nelson. The United States Federal Trade Commission waded deeper into the churning waters around AI on Tuesday, turning the spotlight on comments it submitted to the U.S. Copyright Office that encompany, I'm sorry, that encompass the agency's concerns that artificial intelligence could accelerate the proliferation of illegal schemes and scams online. Yeah, no shit. Quote, Although AI-based technology development is moving swiftly, the FTC has decades of experience applying its authority to new and rapidly developing technologies, vigorously enforcing the laws over which the FTC has enforcement authority in AI-related markets will be critical to fostering competition and protecting developers and users of AI, as well as people being affected by its use, end quote. The FTC said, that while policymakers debate the disruptive potential of AI, the technology is already becoming rooted in the mainstream requiring fast action. The agency pointed to its moves against Amazon earlier this year, alleging that the e-commerce giant used private data in training its algorithms. Amazon paid a pittance of $31 million in privacy violation penalties in May, which basically did fucking nothing. The agency's mandate includes enforcing antitrust laws and protecting consumers. The FTC has not responded to Decrypt's request for comment. The comments were filed as the FTC hosted a roundtable discussion with writers, artists, voice actors, and software developers to discuss generative AI and its impact on their industries an issue at the heart of the ongoing labor dispute in Hollywood. Individuals meeting with the FTC included SAG-AFTRA National Director uh, Duncan Crabtree Ireland, WGA Negotiating Committee Member John August, Tim Friedlander, President and Founder of the National Association of Voice Actors, and Software Freedom Conservancy Policy Fellow Bradley Kuhn. The roundtable participants voiced concerns about their work being used without consent for training generative AI without their permission, yada, yada, yada. It kind of goes on and on and on, and we don't need to get into it because it stopped talking about the scams of AI. They are coming. The FTC is not wrong, okay? It's just that yet one more government agency is, it, it's like watching wolves tear apart the you know deer that they caught in the woods, Everybody's trying to get their chunk of meat. You know, everybody's trying to get to the liver first because that's the one that's most nutrient dense as far as organ meats. Actually, for any meat in, in on, on a mammal is the liver. And then I think it's the kidneys after that, although there's a high salt proportion in the kidneys. But after that, you know, you, I'm just watching wolves tear apart this poor Bambi that is AI And honestly, what's funny about it is I get the feeling that no matter what these people do, they're never going to have enough regulation to control AI. FTC can get everything they want to be able to regulate AI, and it is not going to matter. Why? Because those models are out in the wild. And you can train them yourself, which means that you can employ them yourself. And you can run whatever scams you want to run. Amazon won't be able to. It'll be it'll be that thing where if if no if guns are made illegal, only criminals will have guns. That's going to be the exact same thing here. So just you know, buckle up. Uh, oh, new cryptocurrencies getting created. 
at the slowest pace in three years. Certic data shows. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. At least a modicum of, you know, intelligence has, has re-entered the market at least for, you know, if, if, if only for a short time, because it's just going to happen again. Bradley Kuhn, Coindesk. Just as green shoots are appearing in crypto markets, a new data set has emerged showing just how dramatically the pace of blockchain development has slowed. The amount of new token creation dropped during the third quarter to the lowest since at least the start of 2021, according to blockchain smart contract auditor Certic. The company created the data set by using the list of tokens added each quarter to the tracking website CoinMarketCap and then stripping out so-called meme coins that serve no ostensible purpose but to provide yucks and a vessel for speculation. Some 293 new tokens were added in the third quarter, which is down from 366 in the second quarter and 449 in the year earlier period, according to the data. During the height of the bull market in cryptocurrencies in the fourth quarter of 2021, 1,261 new shitcoins were created, guys. The numbers are consistent with separate reports illustrating the depths of the so-called crypto winter. A report last month from the digital asset firm Galaxy noted that venture capital funding for crypto and blockchain projects slid last quarter to the lowest since late 2020. Quote, it may still be a sign of crypto winter where everyone is paused developing and launching, waiting on the arrival of spring, said Rugu Gu, I guess is how you pronounce it, Certix co-founder, who is also an assistant professor of computer science at Columbia University in New York. Several blockchain projects have had to cut staff, with NFT marketplace OpenSea being the latest to do so, announcing a 50% reduction on November the 3rd, quote, it's probably partially due to the general decline in liquidity in the industry, said Sean Farrell, a crypto analyst, quote, no one wants to list a token when there is a lack of risk taking. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm just going to stop right there because that's all you need to know. It just go. it basically what we're seeing is that finally, all of the fallout is landing in the laps of all the people that have had basically just 100% access to easy money. And that's all gone. It's all gone. Advertisers on podcasts are having problems, not just in crypto. We're talking just general advertising for the masses in podcasting. And, and honestly, in other places too, MSNBC, CNN, CNBC, MSNBC, Fox, you name it. They've got basically one group of people that advertise with them. You want to guess who it is? You want to guess? Pfizer and the rest of the pharmaceutical darlings. They're the only assholes that have any money left at all. At all. So do with that what you will. Coming back to crypto though. Golden Boy's probably going to go to prison. Or at least I guess he's going to go to prison. You've almost, most of the bankruptcies are, are either coming, winding down, or most of the data has been collected and, and been disseminated to the public. Um, we're, we're finally coming to the end of this storm, 
right? We're not really out of it just yet, but there is now light at the end of the tunnel. The only thing really left is Grayscale. And basically the digital currency group family of companies, which includes um, uh, Coindesk, I think. Uh, that's Barry Silbert's outfit. That's Gemini and DCG and like all this in, in the, well, the Gemini twins, and then there's Genesis trading there. Even though it's the, the Winklevi is Gemini, they're so connected with DCG that they're all probably going to go down together. So I just kind of lumped them, the twins into Barry Silbert's deal. That's the last brick. That's the last one. And if Barry Silbert successfully converts Grayscale into a spot Bitcoin ETF, even if you don't want the ETF, I think that that actually ends up being the end of the storm because DCG will not go down after that. Barry will have more than enough money to pay off every single thing that he's gotten himself in trouble with. And that's why he is so desperate to get the spot Bitcoin ETF because the sheer amount of cash that he's going to make is going to be so mind bending that he'll just clear all debts. And if there's any fines, he'll clear those too. And that will, so that he will either go down in flames or he will ride out of hell in a chariot made of gold being towed by white haired Pegasus horses. I'm serious, man. I'm serious. There's only two ways for Grayscale because aside from the name, Grayscale is never going to exist very much longer in a field of gray. It'll either be black or white. By the way, Stacker News, Stacker.News has finally added image uploads. Hallelujah. There's not much to the announcement other than, well, that's mostly it, 100%. (laughs) there's a little button for adding images. It's probably too small. And you can also add images by dragging them to the text area. There's a lot of great stuff I'm actively reviewing, but I know how badly you've all been wanting this. So I decided to just push it said Kub K zero zero B. And this is from no BS Bitcoin. So if you guys have been wanting to put pictures up on stacker.news, you can do that today. I've tested it out. It works, it works, it works. Um, Gazoo, uh, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, G-Z-U-U-U-S on Nostr has Nostri release notes uh, for version 0.1.5. That's sexy is the name of the release. It's been almost a month since the last update of Nostri. And I'm gonna pause there to remind you that Nostri is the Nostr version of Linktree. And if you know what Linktree is, then you know what Nostree is. It works the same. It just works with your Noster inpub. That said, <clears throat> let's get to this. It doesn't mean that during this period that no work has been done on it. On the contrary, Nostree has gone through a strong refractoring process of its code. The main novelty of this version is the new theming system and the migration from pure CSS to Tailwind along with some other stuff. And I'm just going to pause there for a second. I got to look at something. Hold on. Everybody hold on. Because I thought I had a different thing to do this. And for some reason, I don't. So I'm going to get over here into my notifications for Noster because I put up a summary. 
And that's what I thought I was going to be reading. Here's the summary. Oh, and by the way, I used ChatGPT version four to do this summary. And I'm telling you that not just to be transparent, but because the way that I did it is I literally gave ChatGPT and it has a plugin called a link scanner or something like that where it can actually read a link. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just pop up because what I was just reading from Gazoo's was is very, very long, very, very, very long. And it's got pictures embedded in it. And it's got different notes embedded in it. It's got all kinds of stuff embedded in it, plus a lot of text. I was like, I wonder if ChatGPT would freak out if I gave it the URL to the primal.net note, you know, the, the note ID for this. So I gave it the, you know, primal.net forward slash and then the note ID in directly into chat GPT. And without a hitch, without a hitch, it gave me a full summary. So here's the key points of the release note, this new release of Nostri. We now have themes, integration of a theme system with Nostra, allowing users to define their own themes for their personal pages, which will be displayed automatically when visited by other people. Responsive design. The design is now responsive, adapting to any screen size with improvements to the menu for a better user experience. Uh, We have list templates. Users can now create lists from scratch or or use suggested templates. Uh, There's Bitcoin. The white paper is now on the the Nostri site. There's various bug fixes and new vanity addresses have been added. The note mentions, or sorry, new vanity addresses for contributors, and it offers a giveaway for those who create a list and share it on Noster. See, he's a guy that doesn't mind doing a giveaway. And maybe maybe I need to readjust the way that I think about marketing and not be such a damn curmudgeon about it and maybe do a giveaway. I don't know. I mean, what you guys listening to this, DM me or just straight up throw me a note on Noster. Is that, I mean, if I were to do like a giveaway, like let's make it simple, like prove to me that like the guy or the gal that did the most announcements of the Bitcoin and show to the most amount of other uh, social media platforms plus Noster, the winner gets 100,000 sats. Does that make you feel sick to your stomach? If it doesn't, tell me. If it does, tell me. I need to know because it kind of makes me sick to my stomach. It's not that I don't want to part with my sats. It just seems like I said, that just seems cheap and whatever, but let me know anyway. So if you're not using Nostri, uh, if you're using Linktree, like, and this goes for you, DeFi Yogi, read, read, not, don't give up your Linktree, but go to Nostri, figure out how to get over to Nostri. And if I hadn't have, let me see if I can get you the proper address. It's nostree.me, N-O-S-T-R-E-E dot me. Use, you can use your uh, Git Albi extension to log into Nostree and you can build a link list just like Linktree, just like the exact kind of Linktree that you already have for your cabanas. Redo it in Noster. You can always keep the Linktree, but make a new one in Noster and I will help you promote that. Okay, I will help you promote the Nostri stuff so that we can kill two birds with one stone. We can support Nostri guys and we can support your cabanas. All right, 
That said, let's now move on to Athena. Bitcoin is integrating Lightning Network to its ATMs, starting where? El Salvador. That's right, El Salvador. Uh, so keep that in mind. Bit escrow. This this is all from uh, no bullshit Bitcoin, by the way. Bit escrow, non-custodial escrow for Bitcoin transactions. The focus on this project is to build the best escrow platform on the planet using Bitcoin as a form of programmable collateral and its blockchain as a general global arbitration service. So bit escrow is a way to escrow. What is escrow? I buy, if I'm going to buy a house, I need to put up money in escrow, which is sort of like earnest money, right? You could, like earnest money goes into an escrow account. There's other reasons why you have escrow in houses, but let's talk about the earnest money. I say, I want to buy your house. And the real estate agent says, okay, I will talk to the owner and see if he wants to sell you the house. And lo and behold, the owner wants to sell the house, but they want to make sure I'm not just blowing smoke up their ass. So I got to put up, I don't know, some percentage of the house price. Let's call it a thousand dollars. I just put it up there. If for whatever reason I renege on the deal, the escrow provider and the real estate agent representing the guy selling the house get together and say, yeah, he just never got back to us. The 30 days are up. The parameters are met. And the owner of the house gets my $1,000. If I buy the house, I can apply that escrow to the price of the house or I can just get that straight back in cash because I was able to meet the conditions of the escrow. So what it is, is you any escrow can work this way. It doesn't have to be a house. You get a third party to hold a certain amount of money interest-free. You don't get interest in escrow. And if a certain amount of conditions are met, then that escrow, the, what's ever in that account, goes to whatever party met the conditions. And now we have it with bit escrow. Now we've had it before, but bit escrow is an actual honest to God boots on the ground service that will do it for you. If you need to escrow Bitcoin for any reason whatsoever, please do so. And that's going to do it for the morning roundup. Time for dad says jokes. My wife asked me today if I had seen the dog bowl. I said, no, I didn't know he could. Ah, it's a good one. It's not bad. I like dad jokes. I like, I like dad says jokes on Twitter. It's the only account that I, that I actually can stomach because I have to go to Twitter and am constantly reminded every time that I go to Twitter that my account has been suspended permanently. I'm never, I'm never allowed to go back. And honestly, from everything that I've heard over the last few uh, months, it is something that you just don't really want to visit. Again, I remind you, I need your help in marketing the show. I need more listeners. I cannot continuously always depend on you guys to support the show any more than you already do financially, right? That means that I need more people who are willing to say, you know what, I'm going to flip this guy some Satoshis. The only way that I can do that is to have you guys help me get word of this show out, not just to your followers on Noster, but anywhere else. 
any your if you still do Facebook, if you still do LinkedIn, if you still do any of the other legacy media, I'm not going to fault you because there's millions upon millions upon millions of people there. I get it, right? I can't stomach Twitter because it's a hate machine. But when, you know, even I use LinkedIn for various reasons, right? So let your heart not be troubled about that because I need your help. I need your help to get more people to listen to this show because the more people that I can get, then that is a larger fraction of people who will help support the show. And God knows the show needs support. And you already give me all of your support. I don't want to ask you to do any more than that other than your time and your talent and help me get this show out. All right. And I will try to help you get your products and services out. So it's sort of like a win-win. The more people you help me get to listen to the show is the more people that's going to listen to me talk about your service and product. See how that works? See how that works? Working together, we can make this something really cool. A completely different model. Yes, it's part of the value for value model, but it's something more. It's a different form of advertising. It's a different form of advertising incentives. That's why I like the circle P. I want plebs to do well. And I want to do well too. So I need your help to be able to do that. And I will see you all on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.